0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung.
1: I like to say that you should imagine that you're wearing this cloak. And now you've sewn onto the cloak a piece of metal for every bad thing that happened to you that you feel resentful about. And now this cloak is just weighing you down. It's so heavy with all those things sewn onto it. But all of those things happened in the past. And here you are dragging them with you into the present and into your future But they're gone. They happened in the past. Shrug off that cloak. Leave those things behind you.
0: So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung and I'm so excited this time to have Amy Newmark back on again. She is the best-selling author, editor-in-chief and publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I mean, who has not heard of Chicken Soup for the Soul? And since 2008, she has published 191. Yeah, you heard that right. 191 Chicken Soup for the Soul titles and most of them national bestsellers in the US and Canada, more than doubling the Chicken Soup for the Soul titles in print today. She is credited with with revitalizing the Chicken Soup for the Soul brand. She is really amazing, I'm telling you. I've just been sitting here talking with her before we went on air, and not only has she done all that she has done with completely revitalizing this brand and doing everything that she's doing, publishing books, running this whole basically conglomerate, she's also doing it with cancer. And, I mean, really so inspirational and so empowering So, welcome back, Amy. I can't believe what you've got in store for us that you've got a 30th edition of the book coming, 30th year edition of the book coming out. So, you're going to be sharing all about that today, too. So, welcome back.
1: Well, thanks. It is amazing that Chicken Soup for the Soul started 30 whole years ago. That first book that came out that Jack and Mark had such a hard time finding a publisher for but then sold, you know, a million copies in the first year and a half that they had it out. And now we've sold probably a billion copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul books worldwide during these 30 years. And I just keep coming up with new topics. But as you said, we did put out a 30th anniversary edition of the original Chicken Soup for the Soul with 30 new stories that we've added to it over the last 10 years.
0: Yes, amazing. So it just came out, 30 new stories, and the 30 new stories have contributors such as Gabrielle Bernstein, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Deepak Chopra, and of course, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield, the originals, and you, Amy Newmark, you've got one in there as well. And so you've got a thirtieth 30, uh, edition out, which you know we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, so bonus stories. Um, but you know, just over the last several years since you've taken it over, you've learned a lot about how to make people feel
1: warm and fuzzy, and you've learned a lot of lessons. I have, and I'm a really practical person, so. You know, my friends and family thought it was really funny when I went from being, you know, a cold-hearted, analytical Wall Street person uh, to this, you know, warm and fuzzy person putting out chicken soup for the soul books. But I've approached it in the same way that I approached everything I ever did in business and finance and the telecommunications industry because I'm just looking for what works. So it's been a really interesting experience because I've been doing this now for 16 years. And during that time, I think I've probably read 30,000 personal revealing stories that people have sent in to us. And those are stories that we've published and also stories that we haven't published, but I got to read in the process of selecting the ones that we did publish. So when you read 30,000 stories from people who are sharing with you you know the ups and downs of their lives, their most milestone moments, you have to learn something from it. So I think even though I'm not a psychologist by training, I really have learned what works for people in their lives and, and I've come up with, you know, my own list of 10 keys to happiness that really work for me and seem to work for everybody else who I meet and and who contribute stories to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so tell us what are your 10 keys to happiness, or at least share. Let's let's share a few.
1: So the most the most important two, and by the way, you don't have to do all 10, but there are two that I think are mandatory. I don't think you can be happy without these two. So the first one is to use the power of forgiveness because mm-hmm. I think that's something that so many of us have trouble with because, you know, people do stuff to us. There are these slights, these insults, these disappointments, these resentments. And I like to say that you should imagine that you're wearing this cloak and now you've sewn onto the cloak a piece of metal for every bad thing that happened to you that you feel resentful about. And now this cloak is just weighing you down. It's so heavy with all those things sewn onto it. But all of those things happened in the past and here you are dragging them with you into the present and into your future, but they're gone. They happened in the past, shrug off that cloak Leave those things behind you. Now, you can't eliminate them. You know they happened. But it's interesting. I always thought the definition of forgiveness was that you were saying to the person who wronged you, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it so much. But actually what forgiveness means, and even you can go on the Mayo Clinic's website and they talk about it. Forgiveness just means that you've decided to stop reliving those negative emotions so you can intellectually know that that thing happened, but you don't have to keep reliving those emotions. I've read some great stories that have to do with forgiveness, and I can share a couple of them with you. And I think that these will provide everybody with tools they can use to to use forgiveness themselves, to liberate themselves. So one story was from this woman named Lynn Sunday, and she just couldn't get over her divorce. And she told everybody about her ex-husband and how mad she was at him. And and even years after her divorce, she was still talking about her ex-husband, even to strangers. And then her best friend said to her, Lynn, you might as well still be married to the guy. You take him with you wherever you go. And it was such an epiphany for Lynn. Here she was carrying her ex-husband around with her in her head. And she realized, well, that's ridiculous. He's gotten on with his life. What am I doing? So She instantly got him out of her brain and moved forward. And then there was another great story from a woman also following a divorce. And in her case, she went to a divorce support group. And the leader said, repeat after me. In my marriage, I did the best I could. So everybody said that. And then the leader said, okay, now say, in my marriage, my spouse did the best that he could. And nobody would say it. And then the leader said, well, if you know that you did the best that you could, why don't you think your spouse also did the best that he or she could? And that was an epiphany for that woman. And she realized, of course, he tried and he failed. And I tried and I failed. And that liberated her. And she moved forward. She had been so stuck and she became unstuck.
0: Mm. Yeah, beautiful. It, that reminded me of there's there's a story. It's like a parable or something uh, of two monks I, I have you ever heard of this i, I no. I'm, going, I'm going to butcher this but it, there's a story about these two monks or something and it, it's it, it, you know they're they're in china or something and they're um you know going to the, down to the stream to get water or something and they they come across this woman and the woman is like, you know, needs help and and they're not supposed to touch women, okay? And but this woman needs help across the stream or something. So the one monk helps the woman by carrying her, you know, um, on his back across the stream. And the, the other monk is like so mad that he touched the woman and and you know for for hours and hours or so six hours later, he's still mad that the other monk uh is you know, carried the woman across the stream. And so he says, "You know, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe you carried her across the stream or something like that. And the other monk says to her, uh, the other monk later, he says, "I put her down six hours ago." How come you
1: can't put her down? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. Yes, you're right. Something like that. Yeah. So I just feel like you can't really be happy if you're carrying around all those all those old resentments. Yeah, something
0: like I let her go six hours ago. How come you can't let her go? Or something like
1: that. Yeah, that 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 works. The other key to happiness that I think is essential is the ability to count your blessings and use the power of gratitude because i think if you can't focus on what you have then you're going to focus on what you lack and we all have plenty of things to be grateful for and i know that sounds kind of sickly sweet like something you would expect to hear from the chicken soup for the soul lady but but gratitude really does but gratitude works like we have hundreds of stories from people who We're not doing so well in their lives and then decided to actively practice gratitude because half of us probably have that gratitude gene built into us and we just know to count our blessings, we know to look for the silver lining no matter what's going on and then half of us don't really have that ability. But the cool thing about gratitude is it's one of those character traits that you can actually add on. There aren't that many things you can do to change your personality, but this is one you can add on. And you can do it really easily. So a lot of people have told us that they write down three things a day to be grateful for or five things a day. And it could be something like I picked the right line at the bank this morning, or it could be something major. Like I just realized how awesome my husband is. But what you do is for a month, you write down three things that were good during your day. And by the end of the month, you have 90 things you've written down because you have to pick different things each day. Well, what you find during that month is that you're actively looking for the good things that happen each day. And then it just turns into a habit. And it really does work. And people also will use it on their kids. Like I remember one woman had a seventh grader who just always saw every glass as, you know, half empty. And she had him do this exercise and it completely changed his personality. So that's the other essential. So we've got forgiveness and we've got gratitude as the two essential keys to happiness out of my long list of 10.
0: Mm, I love that. It's so true. And I actually do um, have a gratitude list that I add to every single morning. I, I mean, that is something that I do religiously. Is write a gratitude list every single morning, and it is absolutely. It has changed my life. And you know, one thing I heard Dr. Joe Dispenza say is that it it puts you in receiving mode. You are in receiving mode if you are um, practicing gratitude every day, and it allows you to say to the universe that you are open to receiving more.
1: That makes a lot of sense. You are open to receiving it. And that's exactly what people have described. I just never heard it phrased that way, but that's a perfect way of expressing it.
0: Yeah. So um for people who are feeling, you know, hopeless, for, for, for people who, and you know, a lot of my community, they're in places where they're just, you know, uh, they're in toxic relationships. They're in relationships with high conflict personalities. A lot of times they really do need chicken soup for the soul. You know, where would you say for them that they, they, they could start? Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day, but according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and then sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier. And Air Doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria, and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code, yourbestlife. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off, exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpr and use the promo code, Your Best Life.
1: coming up more on negotiate
0: your best life with Rebecca Zone. We are beings of energy, you know, and we do pick up the vibrational energy of of people who are around us. And you know, you know how you can feel if somebody is bringing you down or 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 making you feel better. And you can feel how you feel after you have left being with somebody. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, A business partner, a soon to be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic? But you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from. From this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free from Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this.
1: Take a listen to our archive. Where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life.
0: It's not like they come along being abusive. You would never have gotten into that relationship with them if they just came on that way. They come off seeming perfect for you. Uh, and, and even when you're not in a romantic relationship with these people, maybe it's just a business relationship. They still come off as if they were like a gift from heaven like you can't even believe how wonderful this person
1: is and now we return to today's show oh my gosh well i know you talk about this all the time because you're talking about narcissists and people who just bring toxicity into relationships so i actually have my secret 11th key to happiness, which is exactly what you're telling people anyway, but my secret 11th key to happiness, which I didn't put in this book I wrote called Your 10 Keys to Happiness, but my secret 11th key to happiness is about getting rid of toxic people. And I have to tell you, and I'm going to sound so naive, but I didn't realize until I was 50 that I could get rid of people. Mm. And, And I actually didn't even know what a narcissist was. And then all of a sudden my eyes were open and I realized, oh, basically every single person in my life who who was really bothering me and who was toxic was also a narcissist. (laughs) I mean, I guess that it just goes together. And so I got rid of a friend, a certain friend who, you know, was one of those friends where it was always all about her. And I would be saying things like, well, I have to go have lunch with so-and-so. And then I read this Chicken Soup for the Soul story about this woman who realized that she could basically weed the garden of her life and get rid of the, you know, quote, friends who weren't really friends, but were really more like passive-aggressive frenemies. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can do that too. You're kind of stuck with your relatives, but you can reduce your exposure to to your relatives, but you can just get rid of friends, or if it's too awkward, you can at least reduce your exposure to them a lot, like see them once a year you know, instead of five times a year or every, or every week, whatever you were doing. So that was a big one for me, but I don't really put it on my official list of 10 keys to happiness because it just seems so snarky to say that you should get rid of people, but of course you should.
0: Oh, but I think that that is so true. I mean, I think, you know, and I'd love to know more about that story about weeding the garden of your life, because I do think that, you know, you know, I, I always say defend your light with your life, you know because you know, I do think that vibrational energy is is so important to protect. and you know we are beings of energy, you know, and we do pick up the vibrational energy of of people who are around us. and you know, you know how you can feel. If somebody is bringing you down or 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 making you feel better and you can feel how you feel after you have left being with somebody, you know, it, do you feel lighter and more excited after you've left being in somebody's presence? Do you feel uplifted or do you feel like, oh, you know what, I kind of feel icky after I've been with that person?
1: Exactly. You know? I know you should you should come away from seeing a friend or a relative feeling energized and empowered and smiling and thinking oh that was really fun I can't wait to see them again. So the woman who wrote the story that changed it for me she actually let this so-called friend drive her to chemo one day and this woman had had various friends drive her to chemo and it was the only time that she had a really bad reaction to chemo was after this so-called friend drove her because the friend spent the whole time driving her telling her about everybody she knew who had gone through chemo who had a bad outcome. I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh. And that's when she realized that you only have so much time in your life and you only have so much emotional energy and you can't expend that emotional energy on people who are dragging you down. And so that that's the story that gave me permission to start cleaning up the garden of my life. I think cancer does bring you a certain clarity but the other thing I do, and this goes back to the forgiveness concept a little bit, is certain people you just can't get out of your life. But if you use, there, there's another thing I do with, with the power of forgiveness, and that is you look through to what is causing the person to act that way, you know, what is motivating them, and often you can actually realize that they are really unhappy people and They have so many problems of their own. And you could just say, gee, I really shouldn't take it personally because that person just acts out and does that to everybody. And it's just a function of that person's own problems. And it almost puts you in a superiority position because you start feeling like you're better than that person because you start thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not her. But that works also. And then the other thing that I've been doing for years, and I've actually, I started doing this when I was in my 30s is I build what I call the wall of indifference. Mm. Um, I remember when I was in my mid thirties, I was acting as an investment banker and I helped take a company public and then their stock tanked pretty quickly after they went public. And I was in a, at a meeting at this brokerage firm and the head of trading in a room filled with all the traders, so probably 30 guys in this room. And, and this was, you know, 30 years ago. So it was a way more male oriented Place at that time, you know, Wall Street. But this guy is screaming at me for 20, minute, 20 minutes nonstop with all these guys watching. And I'm just standing there at the front, you know, little five foot three me while this guy is screaming at me. But he was just really taking out his anger about the stock price going down. And he viewed me as somebody weak who he could scream at. So he was just letting all his frustrations out and I was the the victim except that I didn't get victimized. I just stood there looking at him and thinking, you are a pathetic little man screaming at me when you're really just mad at the world. And I started building what I call the wall of indifference. I put these bricks up in front of me and I was behind my wall of indifference and he was screaming on the other side of the wall. And I was just thinking about what a a little idiot he was. And by, 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 you know, thinking of him with utter disdain, he couldn't hurt me, you know, because he he couldn't touch me. It was like he was throwing, you know, missiles at this wall, but the wall was stopping him from actually getting to me. So that, that works also. And that's a, a really good way to deal with people like that. I mean, I've had other people in business who I've had to deal with who were you know, real jerks. And I always put that wall of indifference up and I don't let them actually touch me. I'm behind that wall.
0: Oh, that is so powerful. I love that. You know, I mean, I've always said that I wanted to actually just have my podcast focus on how powerful people have learned how to overcome toxic people in their lives and and become powerful anyway, especially women, you know, because I think that women have had a higher bar, have had a harder time, you know, and, and I love the idea of a wall of indifference. I think that that is so powerful and, you know, I, I hope everybody goes back and listens to that over and over again because there's so many times that I have said to people, you know, look at them as if they're a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. You know, you wouldn't go down and, and have a tantrum on the floor with them, you know, like if, you know, you just look at them and you go, okay, are you done now, you know? But that, and that is sort of the same concept, you know, I think that is so, so good. I think you, you also for sharing have to that.
1: look. Sure, you have to look at what motivates them. So this isn't something I got from Chicken Soup for the Soul, but this is just something that I do in general. If somebody's giving me a really hard time, I try to figure out what motivates them and how I'm going to get around them. So it just becomes a challenge. Like I remember one time, my husband and my brother and my brother-in-law and I were visiting my mother-in-law in the hospital, and she was in the ICU and she could only have like two visitors at a time and she already had two visitors, but we knew she would wanna see us and um, and things were kind of dire, so we really had to see her. And so the guy at the front desk, you know, Mr. Mister Power Man himself, he said we couldn't go and we didn't know what room she was in, but if she, if we had known what room she was in, we could have just gone. And so my husband and my brother-in-law were starting to protest and I said, guys, go, get out. And then I went up to the guy. I said, I totally understand your rules. Of course, she should only have two people at a time. But, and this was back when you couldn't use a cell phone in a hotel room, which of course is not, I mean, in a hospital room, but that's not the rule anymore. But this was when they did have that rule about cell phones. I said to him, I need to somehow get a message to the people in the room that we're not allowed in. So I'm going to have to just go and Tell them in person that we're not allowed in so could you tell me the room number so that I can go and tell them that that we're not allowed to come in and so then he gave me the room number and then the three of us snuck in and went to her room you know so I just had to appeal to his bullying basically to get around the rule I mean it worked so easily (laughs) you know (laughs)
0: Yeah, because he's not going to go back there and get you after that, right?
1: No, and I, and he thought I was being compliant. And so it worked out perfectly. Yeah. And she was thrilled to see us. I mean, she would have been, of course she wanted her five family members to be there. She didn't want us to be left out.
0: Yeah, of course. So uh, how, um, <clears throat> what is your favorite news story
1: in the in the new book? Oh, okay. In the 30th anniversary edition. Yes. Um well I really liked a story by Joan London. So this is a little specialized, but it is something that we all face. And it's about what to do if you have elderly parents and how you can prepare ahead of time for those days. And it's such useful advice because so many people all of a sudden realize, "Oh my gosh, dad has dementia and we didn't know it in time or you know, one parent dies, you have to take care of the other or both parents are alive but you need to take care of them and you haven't done all the stuff you're supposed to do." And it's it's incredibly stressful. It is so stressful having elderly parents who aren't the same as they used to be. And so she wrote a long story for us about all of the things that you should do ahead of time, and then the things that you should do once you are caring for that elderly parent, including ones with dementia. So I thought that was incredibly helpful, and it's something that everybody should read. And she's basically written like a ten-page guidebook for what you should do, and uh-huh. that's in the that's in the new thirtieth anniversary edition of Chicken uh, Soup for the Soul. Beautiful
0: beautiful beautiful well thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom i really love the power of your wisdom and what you shared today i mean i don't know if you've ever shared that well of indifference story on any podcast before but that was really good good stuff
1: i don't think i have because it's also easier to do it with video you know so i haven't done it on the audio only podcasts yeah, that is
0: so good, uh, and um, I, I'm assuming that anybody can get your all the books and anywhere that people can buy books, and
1: yeah, yeah, especially Amazon. Amazon has all of them. We have about 300 different titles that are in print, and they're on so many. Good topics. For example, we have books just about counting your blessings and using the power of gratitude. And we have books just about forgiveness. So if if you feel like you have a particular need, you can read 101 stories that will help you get your act together in, in terms of forgiveness or gratitude or the other the other 10 keys to happiness that I have.
0: Right. And I will definitely put a link to the new one in the show notes. And where can people find you, follow you?
1: So you can go to chickensoup.com and see everything that we're doing. Um, You can also follow me on Twitter, which is at Amy Newmark, Um, Instagram is Amy Newmark. I mean, really good to follow Chicken Soup for the Soul on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think we have two and a half million followers. So um, we're out there for you. We actually uh, will email you a free story, a free Chicken Soup for the Soul story every day, if you want to receive one. You just go to chickensoup.com, click on books, and then click on newsletter, sign up.
0: Right. So make sure you all do that. Check it out. Check out the new book, follow Chicken Soup, follow Amy, and uh, go pick up a copy of the brand new book. So Thank you so much Amy for being here and sharing your wisdom. I mean so powerful. I'm I'm loving the stories and weeding the garden um and just taking, you know, permission to to get rid of the people who aren't serving you or serving your soul. Right? Thanks so much for having me on Rebecca.